In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, in the political and the kind of cultural climate that we live in now, today, being as polarized as it is, as divided and divisive as it is, the easiest thing that we can do and the most common thing that we do now is we complain. We complain a lot about the other side. We complain and vent to one another about what people are doing uh, from the other side of our political ideology, of our, of our cultural uh, inclinations. We complain a lot about what other people are doing and we blame them. This, these people, this ideology, this thing is ruining the world. Much of it could be true, and much of it probably is true. But is that the healthiest thing to do? To just complain about what the other side is doing? Is it healthy? To just point to a group of people or point to a certain ideology, point to a certain thing and just say, this thing is ruining the world and just kind of leave it there? Is it healthy to vent all the time about problems that we see in the world, problems that we see in our own lives? Is that a healthy thing to do? Even if sometimes it's justified, is it good? Because in the early church, it wasn't really like that. In the early church, the Christians in the time of Christ, right after the time of Christ, lived in a much worse political and cultural climate than we do now. I mean, if you look at ancient Mesopotamia, where we are from, our people, our Christians, lived under the rule of Persian Zoroastrians. We were terribly persecuted. If you look at early Christians in the, in the first 300 years in Rome, the culture around them was a bad culture. It was a really bad culture. It was a murderous culture. It was a violent culture, an aggressive culture, a very sexually perverse culture, much like today, but just a lot worse. We're not living in the worst times of human history. And yet what we read from the early church, the writings of the early church, the church fathers, historians, people weren't just complaining about the culture around them and saying that it's ruining the world. They were used to it. This is what it was. This is the rule. This is what Jesus said that the world would be. Somebody recently came to me and they expressed their kind of despair over the state of the world today, and the state of the church in the world today. And I had told that person that, I mean, this has actually happened many times. I have told these people, every time somebody complains about this, I say, this is not, uh, this is the rule. This is the way things are supposed to be. The way things are now is the way Jesus said that they would be. If things have been good until very recently, if the world has been favorable towards Christianity for the last 1,000, 1,500 years in the West, and now it's starting to decline, and now Christianity is being persecuted again, and the culture is going anti-Christian, which is true, that's the way it's kind of supposed to be. And if it, ha if it happened to be that for 1,000 years, for 1,500 years, it was favorable towards Christianity, that's an exception to the rule. That's not the rule. Jesus said that it would be like this. This is something that we should expect. And if we were relieved of it for such a long period of time in human history, that's exceptional. 
We are now living in what things are supposed to be like, or we're at least getting there. To complain about it is not, in my opinion, a healthy thing to do. So what we often do nowadays is we'll turn to some political means or some material means of battling the culture around us, of trying to change the world. And so we'll protest and we'll put up signs and we'll you know, post on Facebook and we'll do all these things to get politically involved or, or culturally involved so that we can change the world by force, so that we can exercise the hand of the government and forcefully do shape the world the way we want it to be shaped. But this is really not what we're supposed to do as Christians. And it's not to say that politics is bad. It's not bad. It's good. It's not to say that being involved in politics is bad. It's not. It's a good thing. But it's not the solution. The second we make it the solution is, this, is the, the moment that we turn into the Pharisees which persecuted Jesus for not doing that. Jesus avoided that intentionally. He had thousands of followers. He could easily, he could easily have started a political revolt if he wanted to. And in fact, they invited him to. They took him to make him king and Jesus ran and Jesus got away from them because that's not his mission. In many ways, he was crucified because he avoided political revolution. When we, be, when we Christians, after the person of Christ, continuing the mission of Christ, turn towards politics or activism as our primary uh, means of changing the culture or changing the world, we have done what Jesus was persecuted for. That's not really the way to do it. The gospel reading today is the way to do it. In the gospel reading, we have two stories, similar, but a little bit different. In the first story, there's a leper that comes to Jesus. And he says, Lord, if you will, if you want to, you can make me clean. And Jesus says, I will. I do want to. Be made clean. And he is cleansed. This is an incredible story for uh, a few reasons, among which is that Jesus is breaking the law of Moses in order to clean the man, in order to cleanse the man. And the law of Moses, if, there, if there's a leper, he has to be outside of uh, the public eye. He's not allowed to associate with society because leprosy was so contagious. Jesus breaking the law of Moses in this sense, not the law of God, but the, the, the uh, kind of added onto the law of Moses. Jesus breaks this law in order to heal the man because the man is preferable even to the law of Moses. But look at the desire of Christ. Look at who God is. What, what is Jesus saying about God? What is Jesus showing us about God? That God is good to us. God loves us. God wants to cleanse us. God wants to heal us. He wants to help us. He's on our side. The point is that the man is courageous enough to go to Jesus knowing that this thing is not allowed, but that he trusts so much in the love of Christ that he goes to him and he's rewarded for it. And the second story is even a little bit more incredible in my opinion, because in the second story we have a centurion who's a, a Gentile head of a hundred soldiers, Roman soldiers, and he also goes to Jesus and he says, my servant or my son, depending on the translation, is paralyzed at home, he suffers greatly, and Jesus says, okay, I'm going to come and heal him. Look at that. 
He doesn't even ask Jesus for anything yet. Jesus initiates it. And he's the one that says, invites himself. I'm going to come to your house and I'll, heal, and I'll heal your son. And the man's response to that is even more incredible. No, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. I don't, I'm not worthy to have you come over my house. Only say the word and my, ser my servant will be healed. And then he goes to justify what he's saying, to explain it. He says, I'm a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he does it. And he goes, do this, and he does it. What he's saying is, just as he has authority over soldiers, and that his word causes them to do something, his word is powerful, and it makes things move, makes people move. So does the word of Christ, who has authority over all things, nature and diseases, make things move. Jesus, by his word alone, can manipulate and can affect creation. He's saying that he's God, because this is something only God can do. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God said, let there be light, and then there was light. The word of God creates the world. And just as the word of God creates the world, so does the word of the Son of God heal it. And this is what he's saying. He's professing faith in the divinity of Christ. This is why Jesus says, not even in Israel have I found such faith. He's marveled at the man's faith. The point is this. The world today is very, certainly anti-Christian and getting more and more so anti-Christian. That's a fact. But we're not going to fix it by political activism. And we're not going to fix it by protesting. And we're not going to fix it by shouting at the crowds. And we're not, not going to fix it by the normal ways that the world thinks that they can fix things. We're going to fix it by the way these guys fix themselves and, their, and, and his servant. We're going to fix it the way it happened in the gospel. Our mission as a church, your mission as the church, your mission as the church is sanctity and its holiness. And by becoming holy, then you will change the world. Because these people in the gospel reading today expressed great faith, such great faith that they were courageous enough to go to Christ and bring to Jesus the issues that they had in their heart and Jesus healed them for it. What does that mean for you and I? The solution to the problem of the world is a lack, is a faith, it's increasing faith. Since the problem is a lack of faith, the solution is an increase of faith in the church. And the more the church, you and me, not just me, but also you, the more faith in the church, the more the world will be sanctified directly by it. You and your mission is to become more holy and to do what the centurion did in this gospel reading. Not protesting, not complaining that his servant is paralyzed and, and venting about it and just becoming bitter about it. But going to Christ, making intercessory prayer. Your job is to become holy. So holy that you can go to Jesus and instead of complaining about the other side, praying for the conversion of the other side. Praying for the conversion of the world. And so that Jesus will heal your prayer and affect reality, affect the world in a positive way and not just in a protesting way. That means that there must be, for you and me, an increase of faith, an increase of prayer, an actual going to Jesus for this, not going to Congress, not going to the government, not going to the media or something like that. Not to say that those things are bad or that we shouldn't do these things, but it's definitely not a solution and it's definitely not what's going to fix things. 
It can only help, but it's not a solution. The solution for you and me, since we are consecrated, since we are baptized, we are set apart for God, is only to do, and mostly to do, what these people did in the Gospel reading today. Go to Jesus, say to Him our problem with great faith, knowing that He is the Son of God, and that He can do, He can perform all the solutions that the world needs. Brothers and sisters, let us have the confidence that the leper and the centurion had in this Gospel reading. Go to Him with great confidence, knowing that He is the healer, and that He wants to heal. But sometimes, He'll wait for you and I before He does heal. Amen.